0: Welcome to this School of Splice Foundation Lesson, how to think about building a viable media business. The School of
1: Splice exists for exactly this reason, helping you build that viable media business.
0: I'm Rishad, one of the co-founders of Splice. And I'm Ellen, the other co-founder. We're obsessed with how media companies are built around the value they create for their audiences. We're here to help you think about all that. Maybe we should start by defining what we mean by viable, Alan. For sure. And let's not conflate viable with sustainable. You hear a lot about creating sustainable media, but in this space, that often means that the business is over-dependent on grant funding and donors. Look, there's nothing wrong with that, but we believe that every media company needs to make even part of its own money by serving the needs of its audience. And that's why we call it viable. It is, after all, meant to be a business. So if you're just breaking even, you're viable. School of Splice works like this. You can listen to all of this in one go, but you might want to break it up. So hit pause whenever you feel like it, come back later. Some of this stuff is also very, very simple. So you can lean back, you can take the dog out for a walk, or just wash those dishes. Other bits are going to require a bit more involvement on your part. So if we're suggesting that you write your thoughts down, you're going to need a pen and a notebook for that. Of course, some coffee as well.
1: But back to that business strategy. Think about where we were even five years ago. Publishers were just starting to learn to read Google Analytics. Um, newsletters were starting to emerge out of newsrooms and podcasts were starting to become a real habit for many of us. But you know, back then, even to start a website, you had to find a, like a WordPress developer or a design person or you bought a theme off the shelf and then tried to cobble it together and configure it all and piece it together. You wouldn't even think about commissioning someone halfway around the world to help you design your logo. That's right. And
0: to top it off, it wasn't easy to meet people you could learn from. You went to meetups, you went to networking events, which is kind of you. And um, you would also try cold emailing people. If you were trying to build something today, you would have a whole different set of tools to get started. And a lot of them don't even require any of that friction or code. This no-code revolution means that most of us can create whatever we want from simple online tools. You'd use Squarespace for websites or card. And to send newsletters, you'd have Substack or MailChimp or Review. If you wanted something more flexible, you'd give something like Ghost a Go because you can do your website, your newsletters, and even membership programs all on one platform.
1: Yeah, And not only are you able to create something and put it out almost immediately, you're also able to monetize directly of these platforms. For a fee, they'll handle all your payments. Payments in, payments out, which is really useful. So this is one reason why we think this is the golden age of media. You're able to move so quickly and cheaply, often by using just the phone in your pocket. And that means you won't need a ton of cash to start. You just need to look at the vast generation of YouTubers of creators who have built viable businesses, often with zero upfront money, they've made the most of this digital age where everything you need to create, distribute, and amplify content can be done on your phone without any of those big distribution costs. I mean, think about it. Running a newsroom just a few years ago was crazy. All of that news gathering, processing, fact-checking, editing, publishing, distribution, marketing, sales, amplification, you get it. All of this was barely 15 years ago, where if you wanted to share an idea, you'd have to get a printing press, a delivery network of trucks, or a satellite uplink. So the game changer here is the cost of entry.
0: Now, we're not saying any of this stuff is easy. It's like trying to put together an IKEA bed. It's possible, but it's uh, it's not going to be easy. And here's a reality check for you. 90% of startups fail. And the top reason for that, according to a CB Insights survey, is that they run out of cash. And why did they run out of cash? Because of reason too. There was no market need, it was a flawed business model. There's a finite length of time for you to figure out if this idea of yours, this business, is even viable. And that's determined by how much money you have on the table to burn while figuring out how to make a product that makes money. Here are some ways to think about it.
1: So let's start with something us media folks get a little uncomfortable talking about. And that's brand now brand isn't about what your content looks like it's not about how it sounds or how well you write it's how you make people feel people tend to feel pretty good when there's a connection and the best most direct way of building that connection with someone is to solve a problem their problem your brand reflects your values and values are a big deal according to daniel at Southeast Asia Globe in Cambodia.
0: Branding isn't your logo or your website. It is the principles, values, and standards that permeate throughout your organization. It's important to stay on brand because it's important to stay true to yourself. People can tell when you're being disingenuous. People who resonate with your brand are possible subscribers. You have one job as an entrepreneur,
1: solve the need of a customer. And in doing so, help them live better lives, help them make better decisions, help them be better. So just a quick note here. Through these lessons on School of Splice, we'll use words to describe the people who use the content that you produce in a number of different ways. We'll say user or community, audience or listener, viewer, reader, customer. You get the idea. It doesn't really matter what you call them as long as you remember that almost every single thing you do is in service to these people. Get to know them well. Optimize for solving the problems of your user, and the money will follow. And that is the first principle of
0: School of Splice, and you're going to hear this over and over again, that the best way to build a viable media business today is to focus on solving specific problems for your customer. Everything else is just noise. So in that sense, the business is actually quite easy. You get paid to solve problems. Now that's not something you hear very much about in the news business, but if you can get that right, you're already on your way to building something that people want and will probably pay for. Focus on the value that you're creating in that relationship with your audience. Just think about where media has been in the past five decades. Traditional media that we grew up with was all about creating value that advertisers paid for. They paid media companies money so that their ads got to you. That's value for the advertiser. For your users? Well, no one really knew. But all that has changed. Your value proposition is the business, as Doya Batar describes it. Hello, my name is Doya and I'm currently serving as the CEO of Nest Center for Journalism Innovation and Development in Mongolia. Speaking from my own experience, I would say that not knowing the value you are creating is the biggest mistake. If you have a value proposition that you are certain is important, Be confident and don't underestimate the impact you can have.
1: So that's the first thing. Solve a problem. Solving a problem for your user makes you valuable to your user. And that's where you begin with value. But value is this funny thing. It isn't generic. It's a very specific thing. So if your business plan is to, say, create content for a mass generic audience, you're going to find it incredibly difficult to articulate that value because because you're not solving a specific problem for a specific user or community.
0: So take a minute now and write the first draft of what would be your mission statement. Answer these two questions. Number one, what does your audience need? And of course, be as specific as possible. Number two, what problem can you solve for them? Now hit that pause button and write those down. Now that you've had a chance to imagine what your value
1: proposition and mission could be, Let's take it one step further. We're believers in the process of prototyping. So simply put, this is where you take your hypothesis of value and put it into something you can test. And this is what we all call a product, which is any content that you produce that your customer and audience comes in contact with.
0: Now at this point, you have no idea whether your hypothesis could work. You're making assumptions here, that your audience wants this thing from you because it solves a problem, but you don't really know until you get something out the door. So prototyping is the way forward. As a startup builder, you have two competitors, but it's not a rival organization. It's two things, money and time, and they're obviously connected. You don't want to be building something that no one wants, despite your best intentions. The best way to save money is to test as quickly as possible. Don't throw good money and time away when you're just starting out. That's right, man. The number of
1: times we've had people tell us that they've spent their own money or got a small grant and then immediately hired a bunch of people and started paying rent at the get-go because they wanted to do breaking news. And we're like, please stop. Seriously, stop. We, We like to say that you should fail fast, which means that you want to make your mistakes early rather than late and fail cheap, which means you probably want to fail with a quickly produced YouTube video shot on, say, your phone, rather than hire a big team and a studio for a fancy production that
0: nobody wants. Save your money. you got to find the easiest, fastest way to get something out of the door. The best way to do this is to ask your own network of users. Pick from your greatest fans or your truest believers, and by the way, we have a whole School of Splice lesson on this. Building a product they want means actually building that prototype, Asking them to test it, hearing their feedback, and then making changes until that becomes something they actually want to use, something they want to spend time with, and hopefully with that, money comes in. That's what Nathan Koka of the Asia Undercovered Newsletter learned in his journey as a media founder. The most useful advice I'd have for someone starting up in media today is, number one, most importantly, don't be afraid to collaborate and share what you're doing from the very beginning. I believe that working in silos and working in secret is one of the biggest problems in too many media outlets and companies today. Um, You can get amazing information, advice, feedback uh, from your audience, from other people in the media community, from journalists, uh, but only if you're willing to engage and share and not be scared of someone stealing or someone uh, copying your product, Um, be willing to trust people and be willing to uh, get their feedback and get their input.
1: Figure out what would be the minimum product you can build to test your assumptions with the people you're solving for. That's what we call the MVP, the minimum viable product. But don't overthink it. Make decisions and have the humility to correct yourself if you're wrong. Remember, fail early, fail cheap. Everyone screws up.
0: If you're not, then you're not learning. That's how you know you're moving forward. We'll have a lot more on how to create a product strategy in the next School of Splice Foundation lesson. So don't worry if you haven't gotten all of this down. But right now, take five minutes. Write down a list of assumptions. These are three questions to help you with that. Number one, what do you believe your product can do? Two, what do you need to see to believe that this is actually working to solve a user problem? Three, what do you need to see to throw out your assumption. So Alan, uh, you
1: mean something like this. So for question one, what I believe my product can do could be it's a financial calculator on my website that helps understand a new national budget, for example. And for question two, what do I need to see to believe that this is actually working to solve a user problem? I might say that out of 20 people I tested this with, only one came back with problems. And for question three, which is, what do you need to see to throw out your assumption? I might say that if more than 40, 50% of the folks I tested my prototype with couldn't figure out how this calculator helped them understand the budget, I would have to quickly switch gears and find something else that solved that
0: problem. That's right. So here are the three questions again. What do you believe your product can do? Number two what do you need to see to believe that this is actually working to solve a user problem? And three, what do you need to see to throw out your assumption? Go ahead, hit pause, and put some thoughts together. You'll have noticed by now that despite this being a lesson about media, we really haven't talked about content. And we're avoiding that for a reason. Because many media folks will default to content as a business model. And it's not. Content serves two functions for you. It's how you get through to your audience. It can also help you start a conversation with a potential audience.
1: Content is a starting point. The mistake that many media organizations make is believing that the article is the only product of a newsroom, the only atom. And they put the majority of their budget and energy towards the production of that content. So we're going to repeat that for you. Content is not your business model. It's the raw material that serves to form the connection between you and your audiences. So content is really just the starting point. It's the beginning of that conversation with your user. Here's how Deborah Augustin at New Narrative thinks about content.
0: When you have a membership model, good content isn't enough. Lots of media companies publish good journalism. With membership, people are looking for a reason to buy in. Maybe it's your values, like equitable pay. At New Narrative, people often cite transparency as a reason they signed up as members. But maybe it's how you build community through your events. Whatever it is, you have to think beyond content. The packaging of content is format, and that format could be anything. An Instagram story, a WhatsApp group, a podcast, a live audio room, an article, or even a Telegram channel. Keep in mind that the price at the entrance is zero. And that's good, and it's also bad. The good bit is that you get to create something really quickly and for very low or almost no money at all. The bad thing is that everybody else is doing it, and it's having a really hard time getting seen, getting heard, and being read. And that's even tougher than ever before. And this is where relevance and utility come in. The more relevant your product or business is to your specific community, the better chance you have of being seen, heard, and read which means your business strategy needs to be built around relevance and utility.
1: Let's talk about success and failure. This final section here is about you, the founder. While we're super optimists about the future of media, we also know that most startups fail. Like we said in the beginning of this lesson, that CB Insights survey said that the top two reasons that startup fails are, one, they ran out of cash. Reason two, there was no market need. So the business model is flawed. This is such a difficult journey and it's often quite lonely. That's why your mental health matters. You'll have moments of crazy joy, followed by moments of dread. And in between all of this, moments where you question your choices, your ability to deliver, let alone build a viable media business. So it's important to set the right framing. And here's an important one. Decide very early what success looks like for you. This is different for everyone. Some of you will think of this as being able to make more money than you did in the newsroom.
0: Or to be able to build a remote organization by default so that you can live anywhere in the world and still run this. Some of you will count success in the number of people who read you or connect with your content. It's okay for this business objective to be small and achievable. Small wins do matter. So whatever it is, the sooner you decide, the easier. Because these doubts will set in. Especially if you give yourself a crazy unrealistic success target and have raised money for this. Crazy moonshots are great, but they happen in smaller stages. Also, decide what failure looks like. In a way, this one is quite straightforward. Failure could just mean running out of cash before you've had a chance to make some. Right,
1: and you'll also have time to decide how much time and money you want to burn on this journey. If you have, say... $50,000, you'll have to decide when to pull that plug if you haven't figured out a viable business model. Factor in the opportunity costs as well. You could have been making more money with a regular salary at that larger news organization, for example, or doing something else with that time. So figure out what exactly it is that you want to get out of this journey. And that takes a lot of focus. We asked Dan Oshinsky of Inbox Collective about the mistakes we often make as founders. The biggest mistake I see media startup founders make in their first year is a lack of focus. There are a lot of opportunities coming your way when it comes to content, to growth and monetization. But in year one, try to maintain a focus on your core strengths. Then you can chase down some of those other opportunities in year two and beyond. So have very clear milestones for yourself. Time and money don't last forever. So know what to look for.
0: And finally, surround yourself with the right people. Find people who share the same optimism as you because you're going to need that energy. There are plenty of well-intentioned friends and family who will ask you about the business every time they see you. Often this is good, but it can also be draining trying to explain how you're still figuring out a viable business. Be around people who are there to challenge you and champion you. Our friend and feminist podcaster, Nanda, has advice for you around not waiting for permission to do something that you and your community strongly believe in.
1: The suggestion I have for someone who is trying to start something in media company would be don't wait for anyone's approval or validation to do what you see the value in doing. Do it and the support you need will come along gradually. Trust me on this because I've done the same way.
0: Your energy, like money, is limited, so spend it wisely. When in doubt, and trust us, you will doubt yourself, Go back to your first principles around why you're doing what you do. And most important, go back to your community and the problem that you're solving for them. We've
1: been there ourselves plenty of times. All the best. We hope you
0: found this useful. Go check the other lessons from this foundation course. And if you have questions, post them on Planet Splice so that we can all learn together. Or join us on our office hour chats on Google Meet every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Singapore time. All of these links are on schoolofsplice.com, catch you in the next lesson.